chapter 2. If you want to get a Bible, turn there, Luke chapter 2. No ordinary family. Today is no ordinary fatherhood. No ordinary, it could be better named, probably no ordinary honor. Um, because I think today's message really translates well to every single relationship. But obviously, the context and the focal point today is fathers. Um, I want to just give you a big thank you to you guys and your encouragement this week. I know last week as they announced uh, uh, the sabbatical that I'll be taking in August, um, I've just gotten a ton of uh, encouragement and texts and messages from you. So thank you so much for that. I really, really appreciate that. Super excited and grateful um, for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, just wanted to say thank you guys for that encouragement. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Uh, Raise your hand again. I won't make you stand, but uh, how many fathers in the room? Um, Okay, now how many, keep your hands up. How many mothers in the room? All parents at any point. Okay, so uh, you can put your hands down. Uh, if you've ever felt like uh, <laughs> like you've failed as a parent, um, you're in good company because we've all been there. But today, as I start, as we, 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 we tell the story of the only childhood memory, the only childhood recorded event when Jesus was a child. But we're going to start right here because I think this should encourage all of us others that sometimes feel like a failure, um, because I think this is actually where they got the idea for the movie Home Alone. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 41, we're going to start there. It said, now his parents, whose parents? Jesus. Jesus was born to a virgin called Mary. Her name was Mary, uh, and she was engaged to uh, Joseph. You know Mary and Joseph. If you're not even familiar with the whole Christmas story you want to get into, uh, but Jesus obviously... Uh, was uh, Mary was a virgin. Uh, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, uh, and Jesus was a result of that amazing, amazing uh, pathway for the Messiah to come. Now, Joseph is in this tough spot, and uh, so he had a rough start as a father. So as this rough start as a father having to deal with believing that uh, she still was a virgin but yet pregnant, um, and working through that, that was a little awkward for a while. Uh, they had a rocky start to their engagement, a rocky start to their marriage. So if, you've, if you're married or if you've been married a long time, you had a rocky start, again, be encouraged. Uh, because uh, there's a rocky start for a lot of things here. Um, but it says, now his parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Verse 4. And when he was 12 years old, this is the only, I wish there was more stories about Jesus being a child. Like, things he did or things he said. Like, wouldn't that be amazing if we could just know more about that? Uh, Jesus had a a brother named James. Uh, It was Mary and Joseph's actual biological uh, child. And so I can even imagine what that was like. I don't know the age a uh, difference between Jesus and his brother James, but can you just uh, just trying to humanize the aspect of Jesus being 100% God, but also being 100% man, and the reality of being raised in a home by mom and dad. Unfortunately, this is the the last time that it actually talks about Joseph. Um, it makes it, I think, pretty clear that Joseph wasn't around. Uh, many scholars believe that Joseph had uh, passed away. 
um, by the time Jesus was entering into his ministry and by the time uh, Jesus had died that Joseph had passed away. We don't really know the exact uh, uh, end result of his life, but just to give you kind of an idea of the humanity of these guys. They were traveling back to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was at 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast had ended, (laughs) Mary and Joseph were returning home. And the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they had went a day's journey. (laughs) Hello, are you awake this morning? This, is, this story is amazing. And I love how, I love, I can imagine even the chuckles in heaven. That every time somebody reads this story, they're like, ah, Mary Joseph, Mary, when y'all left Jesus in Jerusalem? This is crazy. Like, I know sometimes we read the word and it's like, oh, it's really a, like a sacred moment, reverent moment. But this is funny. This is funny. And it's one of those stories where it wasn't funny in the moment. If Fathers, fathers, you've been there. Mothers, you've been there like, this is not funny right now. But you know in the back of your head, or at least your kid knows, that's why they're smirking. In the back of their head, this will be the story that was told at every family gathering from now until eternity and into eternity. And so, as they're returning, the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. They supposed him to be in the group that was together. They went a day's journey, and when they began to search for Jesus among their relatives and acquaintances, here's my question. How do you miss Jesus? I know they say sometimes everybody loves a quiet child, but this, this child was God. Like how, do you, like, how do you miss that? Like, he can help. He can, like, give direction. He can do anything he wants because he's God with skin, right? I, I'm kind of being funny there. I'm sure that he didn't have and practice his, uh, his superpowers and in, uh, in such all the time, such as the fact that his parents left him and it was a day before he realized it. Okay, so hopefully you're encouraged already as a parent, as a father. Oh, remember that time we left our kid? But they left him in another city and they didn't realize it until a day later. This is that moment in Home Alone where she's like trying to remember all the things that they did and what the, they left on and the garage door is left open. No, that's not it, that's not it. All of a sudden she leans up in her chair and she's like, Kevin! This is that moment. Where, where Mary is crying out to Jesus. <laughs> crying out for Jesus. But there's no Jesus answering. Um, oh, I love this. So good. But when they did not find them, him, they returned to Jerusalem. <laughs> Man, this is such a good story. So they travel a day back. If you had to like return on a trip and it took you an hour... Imagine the steam that's building up, the frustration that's building up. It took them a day. <laughs> oh, Mary, she's not happy. She's not happy. Joseph, it doesn't say much about him, but my, here's my, here's my uh, deep scholar opinion. I think Joseph, fathers, you can relate. I think this is somehow Joseph's fault. <laughs> I feel like this is Joseph's fault. Fellas, that's funny. Laugh, because I'm going to be in trouble for that later. All right. <clears throat> so they get back to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, three days, 
I don't know if there's any significance to three days there, but interesting enough, three days, they found him in the temple, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Oh, Jesus, he's at church. He's fine there. He's teaching them, he's listening. Parents should be fine with that, right, after three days? Um, and it says that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I love how it uses that word because I don't, I've, my mom and dad, I have such a privilege of having them here. Um, when I've done something like that, I don't know if I would have used the word astonished. <laughs> um, his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? <laughs> oh, I don't think that's how she said it, but she is talking to God. So she says, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. <laughs> and he said to them, why were you looking for me? Because <laughs> you're 12. Yes, you're God, but you're 12. And where your parents, is, you know how bad this makes us look. I know you, you, I know you took good care of but like this makes us look bad. It's three days. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? So Jesus turns it to this, like, don't you know that I'm supposed to be in my father's house? And I have a feeling that, um, no, in fact, it says it right here. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. <laughs> they didn't understand what he was saying. Try that next time mom or dad is upset at you. They didn't under, the parents didn't understand in all seriousness as they went down and came to Nazareth. Excuse me. He went down with them. And he came to Nazareth and it was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things up in her heart after she had calmed down. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and with man. Do you know what I think the point of this story is? The thing that I remember the most about this story was how Jesus honored his father and his mother. Jesus was right. Jesus had every reason to be where he was, even at 12. But at the end of the day, Jesus honored his father and mother. Here's the point of today. People will remember, they will always remember how you honor people. People will always remember how you honored people. People always remember how you honored people. Think about that in regards to Father's Day, specifically, first and foremost. What does it mean to honor someone? We're going to talk about that this morning. But I would go as far over and over and over this morning to say that people will always remember how you honored people. There's this great quote that I, I know I miss, but I aspire to be this as a leader. That it's the quote about how leaders, or you don't remember so much what a leader says, but you remember how that leader makes you feel. I think that has so much to do with honor, but it also falls short. And this morning, I want you to, I want to encourage you fathers and mothers and every person in here 
to kind of lean into this moment. I want to ask for your engagement to see what does it look like to honor my father? What does it look like to honor my mother? What does it look like to honor people? Because people will always be remembered. They'll remember you you honored people. Go quickly to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Exodus 20 and verse 12. I love um, how God gave us the Ten Commandments and he ordered them in a way that is... um, how it builds itself. That the first... That the first four commandments are about your relationship with God, and the next commandments are about how you honor one another as a result of honoring God. And we don't have time to walk through all ten commandments, but here in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, you've heard this a million times, and I would venture to say that as soon as we start reading this, um, if I see any parents get up, we all understand that you're going to get your child so that they can hear this, okay? And it's okay. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And it's actually the first commandment that comes with a promise. Uh, Paul repeats it in Ephesians, that if you honor your mother and your father, that you will have a long life. It's crazy to think about that, because if you were to ask your kids to do a task in the house, and all those tasks tasks may be simple, like pick up your shoes, or put away your coat, or hang your bag up, but if a task is really, really important, and if it's really, really, really difficult to do, like clean up this mess that your sibling made, a lot of times there's a promise attached to that. If you do this, then I'll give you ice cream. Any parents do that? Me, just me. I'm the only one. Thank you. Three, awesome. Yes, this is a safe place, guys. Because when you want your child to do something, or you want somebody to help you, or you want an employee to, to, uh, to come on your team, if you want to hire somebody, you throw incentive at them. You throw promise at them. Now, this is quite a bit different for the heart of why God gave this, but he's ultimately commanding us to honor our father and our mother. But he's also tacking onto it a benefit, a promise that you will have long life. This is the Ten Commandments. This is the law. The picture for law, historically, is, are these balance scales. These balance scales are, do a great job of illustrating, not just in our country, but uh, for many countries, illustrating the, the law by which it represents. When I say the words honor your father and mother, what does it mean today for you to honor your father? I want to help us define what it looks like to honor. And this again translates not just to your father, not to your, just to your mother, but to your spouse, to your kids, to your friends, to your coworkers. Today is no ordinary fathers, and so it's not just about you being a father, it's about you honoring your father. Whether he's uh, here or not here, whether he's alive or whether he's passed, there's something about honoring that we need to know and we need to learn. This, this word honor has great significance.
significance. Um, so the word honor, it means, you ready for this? The word honor means for us to be, or excuse me, it means for it to be heavy or to give weight. To give weight. It involves taking someone seriously into account. Offering profound respect and a place of importance. This is all over scripture when it uses the word honor or even uh, interchangeably uh, in the Hebrew meaning. The understanding of the word honor is very similar to the word glory. I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to give honor to God. It really has to do with weight. And so as, you, as we illustrate this morning properly um, Father's Day with crayons, uh, maybe some of you fathers and mothers have scars on your feet from uh, Legos on the ground or crayons that made you fall um, over. And I thought it would be appropriate to do that this morning. But I wanted to really just illustrate in our minds, I'm a visual learner, that to give weight is we set down that weight on one side, but there's also a reaction when we don't give weight to something. You see, if we don't give weight to something, if I'm honoring this side, then what's happening on this side is I'm making it light. So if you go to the next slide, the meaning of dishonor is the opposite of honor. Is to, if, if giving weight is to honor somebody, if I'm going to give you attention, I'm going to lay on you attention and glory and honor, I'm going to make you so important right now. If the opposite of that, we have to understand, is someone that is trivial, being trivialized. Someone that is being treated as if they don't matter. So there are times in our life where we honor something. But in that same positive reaction, it has a negative reaction. And so we have to look at how we honor one another. Because if we honor this, then we also understand that we're making light of something else. Now here's what I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to say, oh, because we're, we're honoring fathers that we're making light of mothers. This is, this is the humble perspective of honor. Let me illustrate it this way. I see some of you that I've had the privilege to uh, officiate your wedding ceremony. I say this almost every wedding ceremony, and I, my wife has said it many times, like, bro, you need some new material. Um, but I say this every time because I think it's such a great analogy. When the bridesmaids come down the aisle and everybody else comes down the aisle and the, the flower girl and the ring bearer, they all come down, it's cute and it's great and everyone's sitting. But what happens when those double doors open and the bride comes in? Everyone stands. Er, you finish the sentence. Everyone stands in honor. Honor. Think about it from this angle. No one in the room is being pushed down. No one in the room is being made light of in that moment. But you are putting all the weight and all the attention on the bride because she's in that moment of honor. So what does it look like for us to honor our fathers? What does it look like for us to honor one another? Uh, Katie was up here just a moment ago and she was trying to... to or she was clearly defining what it looks like for us in the vision of conduit. To see wholeness and redemption in our homes, 
our churches and our cities. And she shined a light on the city's perspective, which is of utmost importance. But we explain this often because we, we, we visually need you to understand that it's the home that flows into the church and the church that flows into the city. There's a progression there that you individually, in your own home, you honoring your father and mother, you honoring your spouse, you honoring your kids, you're not making them angry, you're not exasperating them, you're not pushing them to anger and frustration, you're honoring them. The home that's built on honor will pour immediately in honor to the church. And then suddenly you have this room filled with families and homes of people honoring one another. Whether you're single or married or whether you have a family or not, that's, that honor perspective flows from that home to the church. And then it so naturally flows into the city. Do, do you see the progression there? And do you see why you matter? Do you see why it's important that you're here? Do you see why it's important that you don't stay here, that you go out into the city, you go out into the workplace, you go out in the marketplace, that you go out there so that your honor that you're doing in your home and your heart and your relationships can flow into this church collectively and then pour into the city. To give honor is to give weight. Honor begins in our homes. Honor begins in our homes, and it begins in our own heart. But this is all an overflow from the first several commandments, the first several perspectives of the law that have to do with God's love for us and our love for him. Not having any other gods before him. Not putting anything else before him. Not taking his name in vain. Not just not speaking his name in vain, but living in a way that is vainly saying, I'm a believer, but I have nothing to do with this in the actions of my life. That's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. It's not just accidentally saying, oh my God. It's living a life of vanity and not purpose. So as we flow, from our relationship with God, it immediately flows into our relationship with others. And this is the promise that was given to us. Now, um, I'll just say this loud and clear. If we can do nothing else today, son, daughter, friend, if we can do nothing else to our fathers, our mothers, our friends, and people today, we can honor them. If we, if, we don't, if we can't do anything, if you can't gift them with, with something that you don't have, if you can't, if you don't have the time, if you don't have this, if you can do anything, you can honor them. Honor them. And it's flowing from your relationship with God. So the other day, um, we have this, uh, in my house, we have this swing that uh, it, it's not as quite as high as the ceiling here, but it's pretty high the rope comes down, and it's this swing called the swerfer. And it's this curved piece of wood, and it's meant to stand on for you to, like, surf in the air, and you get going really far. And because it's got such long ropes that it's, it's meant to go way up in the air. But my kids, for some reason, they haven't really done the swerfer part, so they'll just treat it like a regular swing. So the other day, my daughter, um, Eden, was sitting on the swing, and um, because... Uh, this is what dads do. You, you, even though she's six, um, you try to see how you can swing her. <laughs> so 
she was all in. And uh, so I did the whole like spinny thing and then I launched her. And she sure enough went high and went down and like, oh, we can do better than this. And so some of y'all think this is going to end badly. It doesn't. You can, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but as I'm pushing her, she's saying, yes, let's go higher. Let's go faster. Let's go higher. Let's go faster. But there was an interesting thing that took place. It, there's four ropes that come up from this, this swing. It's not the typical swing where you just have the two chains or the two ropes. There's four of them. So it's a little bit awkward to sit on. And there's a lot of, to be honest, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, it's lower to the ground because you're meant to serve your, it's most meant to be really close to the ground. So your feet catching is, is, a, is pretty dangerous. So I'm thinking about this. But you know what she's thinking about? Do you know what she's speaking about? She's speaking about everything that's happening up there. She's asking me with a worried look on her face, Dad, is this branch going to hold repeatedly? And I'm like, girl, I've been on that swing. That branch is going to hold. You're good. And then she's like, is this rope going to hold? And she's calling out attention to all the things that are out of her control that honestly she shouldn't be worried about. And I encouraged her to be focused and worried about the one thing that she can be worried about getting your feet up and holding on tight. Fathers, there's a whole lot that you cannot control. And it's really easy to look up. It's really easy to put your mind on what your father maybe wasn't. Maybe what you aren't or weren't years ago. There's a lot of worry and anxiety about the decisions you've made and not made. Did I honor God with my life? Did I honor my kids? There's all this stuff that we cannot control. But I need to tell you today that there is something you can control. There is something you can do today, right now. And that is honor. Honor God and honor your father and your mother. Honor the relationships in your life. Honor your brother, your sister, your coworker, your neighbor, your friend, the people that go to your church, the people that you know. Honor. Put weight and attention onto them. Give them higher esteem than you. Paul says the same thing. Lift others higher than yourself. This perspective of humility is this constant putting weight on the person. And just because you're putting weight on that person and trying to meet their expectation, you need to know that it may make light of something else. But there comes a point, there comes a point where you have to draw a line. So I want to spend the next few moments um, as we head towards the end of the message. And I want to challenge some of you that uh, are here and you're squirming about this question. How do I honor a dishonorable father? How do I honor a dishonorable father? How do I honor a dishonorable person? Conduit, we, we sit around that staff table and, and we talk about what we're going to preach on or what's coming up the next week. And a lot of conversations between Pastor Cameron and myself or Katie or whoever's speaking that week, especially if it's on Mother's Day, 
and on Father's Day because we know that there are some deep wounds. And when you start making the comparison of the Heavenly Father to our earthly Father, there is this pain at times. This reality that how in the world can I see that God is a good, good Father when my Father was not? And just like me, many of you in the room, you, this, is, this is like something we don't maybe not think about because we had great fathers. And we have great fathers. But I have to talk to all of you. I have to preach to all of you. The word of God has to affect all of us. And I know that there are some hurting people in this room. Some sons and daughters that wondering how can I honor a dishonorable father, whether they're alive, whether they've passed on. Um, and I simply wanted to say a few things to you, hoping that you and I have a better picture of what it looks like, what it looks like to honor not just our fathers, but what it looks like to honor people, to put weight on them, to put attention on them, to make them important, to esteem them in the room. Um, First, you need to know that honoring parents is more of an overflow of love and gratitude for God than it is about meeting the needs and expectations of your parents. Listen to me. If you had a father, I don't even need to finish this sentence. If, if right now your stomach has dropped and you've disengaged, I'm talking to you. Please understand that when God commands us to honor our father and mother, he's not doing it because your dad was awesome. He's not saying it because your mom and dad had it all figured out. He's saying it because there's something about honor that ultimately is about honoring God, who is good, who has always been good, who is always merciful who's always patient, who's always been there, will never leave you or forsake you. Now this is difficult. This is difficult for us to have this, this, these relationships, whether it's a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, or a coworker, a boss, whatever it is. If you are struggling with honoring somebody, you have to understand this perspective that when you love them, when you treat them with love, and you honor them. You're not approving of their behavior. You're not approving of what they've done. There's this bigger perspective that I will honor God by honoring you. And that's why God put those other commandments first. As he knew that if God was the first place in your life. If you were going to put no other gods before him. That your other relationships. Your, your horizontal relationships. Would flow from your vertical relationship with God. And this is life-changing. And I want this to happen for you this morning. I want this to happen to all of us, whether it's a father and a son, or whether you're the father, or whether you're the son, or you're the daughter, or you're somebody that's really struggling to honor that person. You may say, man, I, I, I don't love, I don't love your decisions. I don't love your addictions. I don't love your impatience. I don't love what you've said. I don't love what you've done, but I love you. That's the gospel. That's honoring God. And you're able to see past their pain, past their decision, past what they've said, past 
what they've done, past their lack of engagement in your life, because you know that Jesus loves them. And by you loving them and you honoring them, by you putting weight on them, you're honoring God directly, not, not even through them. You're not loving them through them to God. No, God has made a way for us to honor him directly on the cross. He's made a way, he's given us access to a father who will never leave us, who will never let us down, who will never quit on us. And so if this sits heavy for you this morning, I want to challenge you about this. In a relationship that you may have, maybe has nothing to do with your father, know that when you honor somebody, you're really honoring God. You're really honoring God. Um, let me close with this. I made light uh, a minute ago about um, Mary and Joseph and their parenting skills. Um, but truly, truly, they did an incredible job. And Jesus, Jesus had this um, unswerving ability to honor his mom and dad, even in that situation that maybe they weren't exactly right. He still honored them. You see, the reason Jesus loved his mom and dad and the reason why he submitted to them and the authority that God had placed in their life, God does that. The powers that be are ordained by God, whether it's your mom or your dad or your president or any of our leaders, God has ordained that and they're accountable as leaders. They're accountable as leaders. They will stand before God. Fathers, we will stand before God on how we led our sons and daughters. We will stand and give an account. Moms, dads, we will stand and give an account for what we've done to lead and cultivate honor in our home and how that's flowed into the church and into the city. But Jesus, he got this picture. He understood what it was like to honor his mom and dad despite their shortcomings, despite their failures, despite who they weren't in the, his life. And I'm not putting, putting conjecture on this. Like I'm not saying that they were bad at all. This thing that Jesus, who did Jesus have to compare Joseph to? God the Father. Okay, so I'm sure he didn't meet every one of Jesus' expectations. I'm sure Jesus, every day of his life, understood that Joseph was thrown in a really tough situation. And that Joseph is doing the best that he can. And ultimately Jesus honored his earthly mom and dad because he honored his heavenly dad. Look at this last seven sayings that Jesus said on the cross. And I think that gives weight and understanding of how he honored his father before he died. Quickly, Luke 23 and verse 34, you don't need to turn there. There are seven things that Jesus said in his last moments on the cross. As Jesus is getting beaten and spit on, his beard ripped out, his clothes ripped off, nailed to a cross. He's saying to the very people, the Roman soldiers that have done this, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders have put him there. He's saying out loud to them directly, but also metaphorically to you and I, and the sins that he was putting on his shoulder, the sins of the world, to make a way for us to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. 
Jesus says this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Why is he saying to his heavenly father after being beat and hung to a cross, Father, forgive them. Why is he doing that? Because he knows the father's character. He knows he's holy. He knows that Jesus, excuse me, he knows that the heavenly father will forgive. Think about that. Jesus isn't asking in haste, like, could you please? Like, maybe you could, or if you thought about it long enough, or like, after you're really not being mad at these guys anymore, will you please forgive them? No, he called to the Father because he knew he was a good Father that would forgive. He honored his Father because of the character that the Father God had. Next one. Today you shall be with me in paradise, Luke 23, 43. Jesus had this understanding that that. God the Father wasn't just preparing a place for his son, Jesus, that he was preparing a place for everyone that believed on the name of Jesus, that they would be saved and that they could be in paradise. Next saying, today you shall, excuse me, next saying, John 19, 26, woman, behold your son. Jesus is on the cross. His life is ending. And he knows his mom is going to be alone. And he asks the disciple that he loves, John, to take care of his mother. I think that's honor to the fullest degree. Mark 15, 34. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at first he's asking this question when he's looking up to him. God, where are you? And this may seem, when you first read it, as disrespectful. This is not disrespectful. He's saying loud and clear, I need you. I've always had you. And for the first time in all of my life, in all of eternity, I don't feel your presence. I don't see you. And that's exactly what God the Father did is he turned his back because Jesus was taking your sin and my sin. He recognized that the Father was good, but he's ultimately calling out his need for him. 1928 of John says, I thirst. He was recognizing the reality of his current condition. John 1930, it is finished. Jesus came because he had a job to do. He came to sacrifice his life and to bleed out so that we could ultimately have life and the blood that represents to give us life. And when he says it is finished, it's done. He's saying, have you ever worked for your dad? You're trying to make him proud. He asks you to do something, and you're saying, look, dad, it's done. That's the moment Jesus is calling out to the father. It is finished. Father, it is finished. And then the last one, Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He knew ultimately he was going back to the father. I commend my spirit to you in honor. How do we honor those in our life? How do we honor even the ones that beat against us? We love them and honor them because we honor the Father. Why did Jesus die? To give you eternal life. Has someone ever sacrificed something for you? Or made something for you? and you didn't receive it. I need to say loud and clear that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're here today, you need to know that Jesus paid the price on that cross for you to be forgiven, for you to have a good, good father, for you to be with 
a holy father for eternity because of your faith and trust in what Jesus did. And Jesus did this. One of the last things he's saying is, God, world, I I give you my life. And can I just say to you this morning, the greatest decision you can ever make is to say to God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I give you my life. And maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Maybe the greatest way to honor the Heavenly Father is to begin a relationship and salvation with him. So would you stand with me as we kind of close? I also know that maybe you today need to begin that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you just need to recalibrate your relationship with the Heavenly Father. May you be reminded that Jesus paid it all, that he paid the price for you to be forgiven. And ultimately that brought honor to God. Nothing would honor Jesus and God the Father, and the Holy Spirit more than for you to receive that gift of salvation. Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you for showing us loud and clear what it looks like to honor, even the people that are hard to honor. Jesus, we remember always how you honored people and that is our aim that is our focus today is that we will honor that we will put weight on we will esteem higher the people around us fathers mothers but it's not because they're great it's not because it's conditionally based on what they've done or not (laughs) it's because we honor you some my prayer over you this morning conduit at this moment, is that you would treasure in your heart, you decide in your heart, I will honor God. I will honor him. If you need prayer, Oh, you're invited to come up and pray. Um, we're so glad that you came today. Um, when we finish the song, you can be dismissed after we sing. There'll be pizza, um, pizza buffet uh, to celebrate fathers. Um, there'll be some root beer uh, for adults um, because it's glass. There's um, some Huggies juice for kids. Um, and just a reminder, um, the end of the month is a night of worship. Make sure you sing your hearts out in honor to the Heavenly Father now.